Hey everyone, this is John Mauser. I'm a fishing guide and a rod builder on the Crystal Coast of North Carolina. I'm using this podcast to build a relationship with all of you and to tell some stories along the way that will hopefully entertain, educate, and inspire everyone who's listening. This is the True Tales Podcast Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? So after my last podcast, I promised you guys that I would do something a little bit more fishy focused. So we're going to talk about old Cyanops Ocelotus today. Uh, before I get started, I should probably give you guys a little bit of a trigger warning. Uh, this may offend a few of you. I don't know. I hope not. Um, but if it does, just know that, you know, these are my thoughts and uh, uh, passing no judgment on anybody else for what they do. Um, and basically what we're going to talk about today is that I had made the decision uh, probably, I don't know, by the late summer of last year uh, that going forward into the 2024 uh, fishing season or year that we were not going to harvest any redfish on my boats uh, for my guide service. Um, and I know that, you know, a lot of recreational anglers, they do enjoy eating redfish. And a lot of guides uh, seem to rely on giving their clients, you know, their limit of redfish to take home here in North Carolina. And I'm not saying anything bad about any of those people. I'm just talking about, you know, a decision that I made personally for me and for my businesses. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today and why. And so I guess before we jump right into 2024, we need to rewind back a little bit. And I actually, if you look back in the podcasts uh, after my 2022 season, um, which was a no redfish season, uh, spoiler alert, uh, we, I did a podcast about it. So I'm going to rewind just a little bit if you haven't heard that, and then we'll jump forward into 2024. Um, so basically looking back, you know, I, I moved up here on the Crystal Coast. I've always lived in coastal North Carolina. But I moved up here to the Crystal Coast in 2000, fall of 2004. So it's been 20 years now. And I've uh, been chasing redfish along with other species here on the Crystal Coast, Emerald Isle, Moorhead City, Cape Lookout, Swansboro area uh, for 20 years now. And then I started my guide service back in 2012. And with the guide service, I was working full time with uh, public aquariums. Uh, it's a government job. And so I was working 40 hours a week and I was just looking for something to fill holidays and weekends. You know, maybe I was hoping that first year to do a dozen trips if I was lucky. And then I was going to try to ramp it up to, you know, 30 or 40 trips a year, just a straight up part-time side hustle uh, to make some extra money so we could, you know, pay the bills. We had a child in, uh, in daycare we needed to pay for maybe once in a while, go out to eat for dinner or you know, go on a summer vacation and stuff. So this was just extra money. So since I was going to do just a, uh, you know, 30, 40 trips a year, I didn't want to try to do everything. So I said, what can I focus on? And in 2012, what I really enjoyed doing uh, was going out and sight fishing redfish on fly, whether that was tailing redfish or low tide crawling redfish. So I thought, let's do that for the guide service. We can just focus on that. I won't be trying to figure out ocean fish, inshore fish, you know, bait fishing, spinning rod fishing, fly fishing, all that stuff. So uh, I'm just, just going to focus on fly and light tackle. And because of that, you know, in 2012, I started building this this clientele that was guys with fly rods and occasionally guys with spinning rods that wanted to 
um, just go getting 12 inches of water, six inches of water and look for redfish pushing around that we could sight cast too. And the type of people who normally come looking for those, those types of fisheries are more focused on the experience uh, than they are on the harvest. Um, so just naturally it, it became one of these things where people just wanted to do catch and release. You know, that was, that was the focus of, of most of my clientele. And at the same time, my anglers were also the ones who were basically doing it the hardest way possible. You know, you think about a fly angler on the front of a skiff that wants to sight fish a fish in North Carolina, which, you know, nine months of the year, we've got dirty water. And so we're having to get, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet away from these fish. And we're trying to unroll a loop of line out to these fish and throw some feathers in front of them and fool them into eating these feathers or deer hair tied on a hook up close and personal in shallow water where these fish can feel these vibrations. Um, and these fish are moving in and out of cover. You know, it's, it's different than just, you know, plugging away in a deeper hole or a channel that's got fish stacked up in it. So uh, because of that, we just naturally needed as many shots as possible. So I was basically building a guide service where we didn't really have much of a need or a want to harvest fish. Uh, and we also needed as many fish as possible for us to have success in the success in the way of actually putting fish to hand, you know, getting that hero shot and then releasing that fish, you know, whether we called them or not, we were having success because we were having an enjoyable time and a great experience. But that actual, like that end goal of like getting a guy who's a trout angler uh, to come up here and catch a redfish on fly that requires usually many opportunities to cast to these fish uh, because majority of our shots end up without a hookup. And that's just part of the game. If you've got somebody who, you know, maybe only comes down here a few times a year or, you know, they're used to trout fishing and, and aren't used to targeting uh, moving fish uh, that can vanish right before your eyes and are constantly changing direction and keeping you on your toes like that. But as far as, you know, even the years that we weren't uh, trying to have no harvest years, um, we didn't keep that many fish. I would occasionally get an angler who caught one on fly and said, Hey, do you mind if we bring one home and, uh, you know, I can cook it up. My family's here and, you know, we can have it for dinner tonight. And, uh, I had no problem with that at all. That was fine with me. But honestly, most years we only kept just a couple fish over the whole year. As far as redfish go, I doubt there's ever been a year in my 12 years of guiding for redfish here that we've kept double digit numbers of redfish in the entire year. Like I doubt we've ever killed 10 redfish in a year. That was just kind of the way my business was based. I didn't think twice about it. So fast forward to 2022. It was uh, September, 2022. And we were, I, I know I remember exactly where it was when I thought about this. This is Bay on the mainland side of intercoastal waterway. We we're fishing and we had just, uh, we'd caught a couple fish and my client had, you know, went to release one and it swam out of his hands. We took a couple pictures of it as it swam off and it kind of just hit me. I was like, man, we've let a lot of fish swim off recently. And I started thinking back, I was like, when is the last time we had a redfish that didn't get to swim off that we ended up putting the live well or the cooler for the angler to take home or one that we had, you know, gut hooked or something where it was not going to be releasable and we decided to harvest the fish. And I was thinking back and it was actually, uh, it was September-ish 
of 2021 was the last one we harvested. So we, I was like, wow, it had been a year. It had been a full year since I'd harvested fish. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool for someone who's doing this, you know, full-time at this point that I've gone a whole year full-time and haven't harvested one. And as I pulled the guy around and we continued fishing, I just kind of rolled that around in my brain and gave us some thought. And I said, you know, what would be really cool though, is we're already at September. Let's see if we can go the whole calendar year of 2022 without putting a redfish in the cooler, without, you know, not just deciding to harvest one, but also uh, taking care of these fish and the and the types of ways that we fish for them and the ways we handle them and the types of hooks we use so that we're not even forced to. So that we, when we release these fish, we feel as confident as possible that not only did we not choose to harvest a fish, but we went a whole year without killing a fish. And I understand there's always a chance that something could happen, but you know, if you do your best and, and the way that we fish for them, um, there's a pretty low chance that we're going to cause some type of injury to a redfish. And a redfish is a generally quite a tough fish as far as they go for releasing that we're going to kill one. So I said, Let, let's see if we can do all of 2022. And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, it's September. I've got literally less than a month and then Albie season starts. And then it's all almost all Albie charters in October and November of that year. And then we'll jump into winter redfish, but it'll just be December. And I'm going, okay, I'll probably at that point, I probably would have five charters and out uh, five charters in December for, uh, for redfish. And most of those guys who come sight fish them in the winter are fly guys. And they're very much conservation focused and catch and releases. This is going to be easy. You know, I haven't had anybody kill one yet this year. It'll be easy to go next couple of months. There's only going to be, but you know, another 20 more redfish charters. It, Easy peasy. And of course, the second I thought that, I jinxed myself. Uh, later that same week that I'd made this decision to not harvest any redfish in 2022, I was talking to somebody who had already, I guess, emailed me and he had wanted to um, put a deposit down to do a redfish trip like the following week after the the uh, the phone call. So it was one that was going to come up pretty quickly. And uh, he called me to make that deposit and we were just chit-chatting about it. And uh, he brought up something that just hadn't even crossed my mind to even mention to him or ask him about. And he was talking about how, you know, he had fished for a lot of different stuff. He had fished for albacore and, and all kinds of other species. And he was really looking for, excited about the challenge of shallow water sight fishing these slot redfish. And he was like, man, you know, I can't wait to be able to get to see these fish in front of the boat and, uh, you know, watch them cruise in a bank and stuff like that and be able to lay that cast out in front of them and, and twitch it and present it just right and get that redfish to eat and, and hook it up. And I was, I was listening to him. I was like, oh man, that's, you know, I'm excited about it. Just listen to you talk about it. He's like, yeah, you know, land that fish and get it in there and get that picture of that fish. And I'm waiting for the next part because, and then we're going to, you know, let it go. And he goes and throw it in the cooler and take it home and fry it up for dinner. And like, and I just went, oh man. Because I was like, okay, you just decided like a couple days before that you weren't going to do this, John. You were not going to harvest any redfish in 2022. And and you're being challenged on your your decision right now. So you've got to make a decision real quickly because the guy's still talking about how he's going to saute him up. And you need to decide if you're going to take this charter and just flush everything you decided about not harvesting fish or if you're going to speak up. And I, I didn't give it another thought. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I said, I think I need to let you know that um, this year in 2022, we're not harvesting any redfish. 
what do you mean? What do you mean? You're not harvesting any redfish? Well, we're not, I'm not, I'm not killing any redfish with my God service. You know, if it's that important to you to harvest a fish, we got two options. You can, it's, you know, you can wait a couple months and come fish with me January, 2023. I'll let you harvest one. I said, but I can't do it now. I said, or the other option is I can put you in touch with some other, some other guides and, and those guys will let you harvest one. And then they may not necessarily be fly fishing guides, but you know, if you can get one on fly or however you want, you, you know, I'm sure they'll let you take one home. I said, I just can't do it here. Well, that's ridiculous that I'm allowed to, I have a fishing license. I am allowed to harvest one slot redfish between 18 and 27 inches each day in North Carolina. That's my right. I should be able to do it. I don't see why you can't tell me I can't do it. Well, I, I agree with you. You're correct. You know, we, you do have that right to harvest that fish, but you know, this is a decision I've made. And if you want to come fish with me, you know, I'm going to ask you that we have to kind of follow this decision I've made. This is something I want to do. I said, I'm happy to take you fishing. I will give you an experience that'll make it worth it that you don't need to harvest that fish. I said, or you can go with somebody else. And well, he went with somebody else. So, you know, there was $500 off the table that I could have made that would have paid for, you know, groceries that week, uh, you know, whatever clothes for my kids, part of the mortgage. Um, but I lost it because I stood up for something that I decided. Um, and at that point I went, okay, well, I got some more charters on the books for redfish. I better start shooting some emails and make some phone calls. So I reached out to everybody who was on the books and I said, Hey, this is something I decided. I need to go ahead and put this out there. Are y'all okay with it? And I think I had one person. I was like, I was kind of hoping to keep one, but I totally understand and I'm cool with it. And everybody else was like, yeah, that's awesome. We weren't, we weren't planning on harvesting any anyway. And then anybody else I booked that year, I just communicated that with them and that's how it went. So I ended up losing, you know, one charter that year. Um, but overall I was glad that I made that decision. And, you know, once I got to the end of 2022, I was, you know, I was kind of proud of that. I was like, wow, just ran a full entire year of guiding, um, with a big focus on redfish and we didn't kill any fish. You know, if you think about it, we didn't kill any albacore that year. Like we didn't harvest any albacore. Uh, we didn't harvest any striped bass. Those three species alone make up probably 90 to 95% of my charters for the year. We probably only harvested fish on maybe uh, five or six charters last year. And those were like Spanish mackerel trips or bluefish trips that we did. Or, well, Atlantic Bonito. So maybe, maybe honestly, like 10 charters last year. But other than that, like, you know, 95% of my trips, 90, 95% of my trips, we didn't kill a fish. And I was able to do it full time and, and pay the mortgage and pay the bills and keep food on the table and stuff that year. So um, that was a pretty big deal for me. And then we rolled into 2023. And I didn't really give it much thought. I, I wasn't trying to be a permanent catch and release only, no harvest redfish type of guide. It was just, you know, an experiment for me to see if I could do it in 2022. And then you get into winter of uh, 2023, you know, January, February, March, and we're, we're doing pretty good on winter redfish type fishing and we're letting them all go. We're not killing any in the winter. And I kind of forgot about the, uh, the, the no harvest thing that we had done the year before. And at some point 
I don't know, probably May or so of, of last year. Um, somebody said, hey, can I keep one of these? We'd love to take one home. And it, it kind of just hit me out of nowhere. I was like, oh, wow, like I'd forgot about this, you know. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, it's fine with me, you know. So we put it in the cooler and listened to it flop around for a while until it died and um, moved on and kept on fishing. And the guy took it home, and I'm sure he enjoyed it for dinner. I'm sure it did not go to waste. And then we moved on, and I think it was, uh, I don't know, June, July, August of this past year. And I had a second person ask to harvest a fish. And I was like, yep, that's fine. No problem. And so we put it in the cooler and shut the cooler and moved on and kept on fishing. And something, I don't know, something just didn't sit right with me. And again, I'm not judging anybody that does this stuff because I will not hesitate to take a Benito and bleed it out and throw it in an ice slurry and and take it home for, for dinner or to throw some Spanish mackerel in a cooler and, uh, and, and have fish tacos at night. I do not have a problem with harvesting fish, but something about killing those redfish bothered me. And I think it's because I see that fish as a business partner, you know, and like I said earlier in the podcast, I need a lot of them. You know, I'm, I'm being greedy. I need way more than the guy that's fishing popping corks or Carolina rigs will cut mullet on it needs for his clients. Um, I need more than the guy that's casting gulp, you know, along the waterway under the docks needs them because we screw up a lot of shots and I, you know, there are days, believe it or not, if you haven't been out there with me or done this type of stuff, there are days when we may see a couple hundred redfish and not be able to fool one into eating a fly. Now I'm not trying to play it down. Like we always suck because there's other days where we see 10 fish and we catch 10 fish on fly. You know, so it, it, it runs the gamut. But because these fish are tough, uh, because we need really good weather conditions for the way we fish, we I need my angler to be really good at what he's doing, although he's probably only done it a few times a year or never, the style of fishing we're doing. I need as many of those opportunities to be a learning experience for that angler. So by the time we're at the end of the trip, he's gotten into the groove of it and he's learned from his mistakes with those fish and he's still continuing to get shots. And so it bothered me taking these fish out of the water. Um, I think the other thing about this. So after I'd shut that cooler on that second fish and given this thought before we finished that charter that day, I, I made up a decision in my mind end of last summer that, you know, 2023 is, it, it is what it is. And going into 2024, we were not going to be harvesting any redfish and I'm still undecided. I'm going to see how this year goes. I'm undecided if this is just a, Hey, 2024, we're not harvesting any, or if I just might roll into, we're never going to harvest another redfish in my boat unless something happens where the, the fish swallowed the fly in his, in his throat or whatever. And we could not revive the fish and the fish was going to die and go to waste and then we would do it. Um, and, and that very likely may be. But for right now, I'm just saying this year, we're going to do everything we can not to harm any redfish that we catch. We're going to try to catch as many as possible, but we're going to try to uh, put us in a situation where we feel 99% confident that everyone we release swims off safe and healthy. And so besides just having a soft spot in my heart for these fish, 
why am I deciding to go completely catch and release on these fish? Um, well, we'd already talked about the fact that I need a lot of them, right? And, and I have talked to guides and wreck anglers and commercial guys that go, oh, there's plenty out there. You just suck at fishing. And I don't think we necessarily suck at fishing. We're just doing the hardest way possible. You know, I consider fly anglers for redfish and, and sight fishing anglers for redfish. We're more like the bow hunters of deer hunting, right? So we need more opportunities. We need those. We need the deer to be closer to the tree stand. You know, like it, we need a certain alignment of scenarios to happen for us to be able to have success. And since we're pulling up shallow, looking for these opportunities, I do get a pretty good feel for how many fish are around. You know, if, if you're pulling, you know, you may fish a dock in the intercoastal waterway in 10 foot of water and pull five fish out and assume there was five fish there, but you really don't know if there was five fish or if there was 50 fish. You know, when you're pulling these flats and, and, and you go from bay to bay or creek to creek and it's all shallow and even if you don't sneak up on the fish, when you spook the fish, you see the smoke puff, you see the... Um, the, the mud, you see the fish flashing by, you see the nervous water in the wake. I can get a pretty good feel for how many fish are around each year and in each place we go. And I've done that in other places too. I've been to South Carolina. I've been to Florida. I've been to Louisiana. And we don't have an unhealthy fishery. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that my eyes have been open to the potential of how much better it could be here. I've seen places that are crawling with two, three times as many redfish as we have here in North Carolina, we've got the bait, we've got the habitat, we've got the good, good enough water quality um, for these fish to really thrive. And I would like to see these fish thrive going into the future. I guess to sum that little thought up is that I don't think we have a bad fishery for redfish in North Carolina. I think we have a good fishery for redfish in North Carolina. I really do think we have a good fishery right now. But I think there is so much more room for improvement. And if there is room for improvement, why not do what we can to have it be even better than it currently is? And here's another thing. Right now in 2024, there is more pressure on our redfish here in North Carolina than there ever has been. If you question that at all, I don't care if it's right now in February or if it's in July. I don't care if it's a Tuesday or a Saturday. Go by any boat ramp coastally and count the number of trailers in the parking lot. And rewind yourself back five years, 10 years, and count the number on the same day of the week, same time of year of trailers and, and trucks and boats at a boat ramp as there is now. And it was a fraction of it. I felt like when COVID happened, it there was two times, three times as many boats out there. Um, in July or August or June in the summertime, a normal Saturday, it seems like on the waterway or at the boat ramp is what 4th of July weekend was like pre-COVID. You know, five, 10 years ago on a Saturday, I might've seen one other trailer at the boat ramp in February when it was 30 degrees outside in the morning. And now there's 10 and, and those 10 boats at each boat ramp, you know, now there's 20, 30 boats out there in a few miles area and they're focusing on these schools of redfish. So there, 
it may not sound like a lot, but they're all hitting the same groups of fish and there's a lot of pressure and those fish are getting educated. Um, they're getting smart. They're all getting degrees for the university of FU. Um, so it's getting tougher. Now, if you're soaking mullet or shrimp, those fish, it's really hard for them to turn it down. So you may not as quick as you may not as easily notice that the fish are getting smarter, but when you're up in 10 inches of water trying to target these fish and get 30, 40 feet away from them so your guy can unroll that cast and lay that fly down and those fish already know what's up before you're ever there because what you don't realize is four hours prior, there was another boat in, in there and that's on those same fish pushing them around. And the day before that, there was three other boats in that same creek pushing those fish around. Those fish are getting smarter and smarter and they're getting harder. And that's not necessarily saying that's an issue with the fish population. Um, that's just an issue that is making it hardest, harder on us fly fishing and sight fishing guys. Um, so again, you know, if there is room for improvement, we could actually have more fish in the water. More fish in the water means less pressure on each individual fish. And I think it'd be a little bit better fishing for all of us. And thinking about the increase in boat traffic and the increase in fishing pressure, let's let's just fast forward what it will look like in a couple more years, five, 10 years from now. You know, imagine if, you know, have we, if we've doubled the amount of boats on the water in the last, say, five years, we're not necessarily saying we've doubled the amount of people targeting redfish, but let's say we have 50% more people targeting redfish. Maybe it's just a quarter, you know, maybe 25% more people targeting redfish. There are more people that are harvesting their one redfish per person per day than there was five years ago. And you may not right away notice the difference that's making, but continue to see that go forward over time. You're eventually going to see a difference. You're going to see less fish in the water. You can't continue to take and take and take at the same amount with more and more people coming into the pool of people who are taking and not eventually see a decrease. Think about like a bank account. Say you're, you know, you've been taking a hundred dollars out of it every single week and it's, it's staying steady, but now all of a sudden you're going to start taking 125 or $150 a week out of it. And eventually you go, Hey, wait, where's all that money that was in my bank account? Eventually it's going to catch up with you. And it's not just the increase in um, increase in boats on the water or pressure, but it's also the increase in focus on redfish. You know, our anglers in North Carolina, basically, except for two weeks a year, haven't been able to keep a flounder for several years now. Those, all those people who used to go target flounder and bring those home for dinner, there's a lot of them that have replaced redfish with that fish they were targeting. So now, you know, you got more boats on the water targeting redfish. Now you've also got more anglers who can't keep their limit of other fish that they used to target. Now focusing on redfish as a replacement fish, it's going to all catch up with us eventually. Um, and I can't, you know, I'm not the one setting the regulations. I'm not saying any regulations need to be changed right now, but I think we need to be aware that we can't continue to grow the amount of people that are pulling from a resource or the amount, the percentage of that resource increase, keep increasing the amount of it being pulled out and think there's not going to be a visible difference five, 10, 20 years down the road from now. So, you know, at the very least I can do is make a change for myself and, uh, and set that example and hopefully 
you know, others will see that example and follow. And so, you know, this is kind of twofold. It's, it's me coming from a biology background and, and, and loving our fishery and loving the animals we have in the water and wanting them to do good just because I want to see them be around for other people. But it's also selfish, like I said before. You know, part of this is I want it to be better. So these are the changes I'm making on my behalf to make it better. So if you as an angler or a guide, if you feel like the fishery is amazing and couldn't get any better and you're happy with it and you don't want it to be any better, then I have no problem with you harvesting your limits of whatever species every single time. But if you're out there and you're going, man, this just is not as good as it was five years ago. Or these fish, you know, it doesn't even have to be something in short, could be near short. These fish aren't the same size or quality of fish that we used to get. Then maybe think about, is there room in, in your fishing and your lifestyle and your business that you could cut back on the amount that you're taking out of the water so that those fish get a chance to grow up and become breeders and produce more and more eggs each year, you know, get past that slot or that size limit and get to the point where they're actually putting more fish back in the population. I think one of my biggest concerns with writing this stuff, podcasting about it, talking to others about it, um, is offending like my guide buddies who make a living by posting pictures of their live wells full of trout and redfish or shots of coolers full of fish and five gallon buckets dumping out on the cleaning table and the pictures of them, their clients standing behind a, a pile of fish with the clients smiling about the fish they're taking home. Now, I'm not looking to offend any of you guys, and I'm not judging you or calling you out or saying you're wrong for what you do. So please don't be offended by this. Um, I respect all of y'all. Um, I'm just doing what works for me. And I'm just doing my part to make sure we can continue to have at least as good a fishery as we currently have. Because um, I, I would hate to see it go downhill. I know guides in other areas of the state and other states that are having more issues than we are. And uh, just hearing their stories about how tough some of their days uh, have been, just finding any fish at all for their clients to cast to, um, I dread if that comes to our area. So I'm going to do my part to make sure that does not happen. Um, I'm just super fortunate to have some amazing anglers, some amazing clients that come get on my skiff, on the bow of my skiff every single year, and they're just stoked to go get shallow and go chase redfish. They're stoked about the hunt. They, they love the entire experience, you know, creeping along, sneaking up on the stuff, not knowing when a fish is going to pop up, if he's going to be heading left, right away, straight at you, if he's going to be 100 feet away or 10 feet away, and seeing if they're quick enough to get that fly or get that plastic out in front of them and see if they can twitch it just right and get that fish to eat it and then watch that fish inhale it and then fight them in shallow water. And I'm so fortunate to have the clients that they enjoy that experience enough that at that point, you know, they're, they're stoked to let that fish go and watch it swim off and know that maybe them or at least another angler will get a chance to catch that fish again. And hopefully that fish will get big enough that it becomes a breeder. And then, you know, 10 years later, you're catching its babies in the same place that you caught that fish and let it go. 
you know, I, I spent a long time kind of just keeping my head low on these conversations and not wanting to upset people. You know, I have my opinions just like everybody else's does on the fishery, on the health of it, on the way that not just commercial, but recreational anglers should uh, be doing things so that we can promote a healthy fishery. Um, I'm that guy that kind of keeps my head low and just keeps my mouth shut. But, but going forward, I want to be a lot more proud of the stuff that we're doing to try to better our fisheries. Um, that doesn't even necessarily mean that the fishery has to be going downhill for us to try to better it. Um, I think at the very least we should be doing everything we can to maintain it and then hopefully uh, give our kids and our grandchildren a better fishery than we currently have uh, for them to enjoy in the future. Um, so I'm going to be proud of this going forward and, and tell everybody, you know what? Conservation's cool. It's cool to try to take this thing that we enjoy so much this pastime and try to make it better for the people after us. So if you want to join in on this, whether it's redfish or something else and, and uh, do your part to leave a better fishery for, for the people and the generations after us, I'd love to hear about it from you. Uh, shoot me an email or give me a call or shoot me a text. You can get all my info through my uh, guide service page through Tailing Tide Guide Service. Um, and uh, if you have any other questions or any topics you'd like to hear me talk about or see what my thoughts are on, I'd, I'd definitely love to hear that. And again, um, if you guys got anything out of this, if it was entertaining or made you laugh or made you stop and think about something or made you hopeful, um, you could really uh, return the favor by uh, posting a comment or leaving a five-star rating um, or getting on your social media and sharing it with your friends so they can give us a listen too. So appreciate you all and uh, we'll talk soon. Have a good one.